Daily Show. The Big Five. A Big Five feature this evening is about a woman who's 26 years old. She's a phenomenally successful recording artist. Her name is Taylor Swift. Talented, gorgeous, and incredibly successful. Has picked a fight with Apple. Um, why she picked a fight with Apple? Well, Apple's trying to give away her music. Craig Wilson is uh, works at Stuff Magazine and is massively influential in the world of tech and journalism and reporting. Don't I'm selling you. Don't don't under undersell yourself and laugh about when I'm trying to build you up there. <laughs> uh, uh, Taylor Swift, I mean, why is her standing up to Apple so massively significant? So, Bruce, I think the reason this matters is that she said something that a lot of independent uh, labels have wanted to say themselves. As you mentioned, Apple is launching a new music service at the end of the month, and their original plan was for the first three months they wouldn't pay artists because for the first three months they're letting users like you and me use the service for free. And which, for which we should be grateful, shouldn't Well, potentially. We? So Apple's argument was that they would pay a higher rate per play after those three months had elapsed. Uh, in exchange for artists giving their music away for free to start with. And, of course, for a lot of people, they simply don't have the clout or you know, the um, platform that Apple would listen to them. Taylor Swift, on the other hand, absolutely does. No, but Taylor Swift is a massive recording artist. She sells a lot of songs and mm. she sells a lot of albums, uh, downloadable albums, no doubt. Um, Apple says, OK, we're going to do this. And Taylor Swift goes, I don't think so. Why would they listen to her and not to... Craig Wilson and the Rackets, uh, well, for, for want of a, a, better, <laughs> better, a, better, a better title. Uh, opens up next week, yeah. <laughs> they, um, well, I guess for a start, the problem is, is just how big a star she is. So the, her album's one of the best-selling uh, albums of the last year. So there's that factor that if you're trying to launch a service in the streaming space that's already quite crowded and quite competitive, if you're missing something uh, obvious, um, that's has the potential to put people off. But more importantly, it also encouraged other labels. As I said, some of the big independents, like uh, Beggars in the UK, for example, um, looked set to, to refuse to put their content there as well. So while Swift made the noise, losing Swift content would be one thing. But if you're potentially losing millions of tracks and your competitors may be able to offer those same tracks, uh, that puts you on the back foot before you've even really gotten started. I can understand for Taylor Swift because you're a big household name and people will pay money mm. for your music and those that don't steal it from their friends... <laughs> via their friends. But if you're Craig Wilson and the Rackets, you should look at this uh, Apple opportunity and say, hold on a second, I'm going to have the opportunity to be noticed for the first time ever. People will have three months of free access to my music. This could build... Craig sure. Wilson and the Rackets. Well, but the thing is, the people have free access to the music regardless of whether or not Apple pays the artists, right? For the end consumer, the deal stays the same. Ah. You get three months of free music. It's Apple that was trying to uh, save a little money uh, by not having to pay out in those early stages. And I think that's the problem. And the argument for young artists or any artist really is that three months of not getting paid, you know, you release a song, say, as Craig Wilson and the Rackets, uh, and it does surprisingly well during those first three months, you wouldn't see any revenue from it. And no. that seems to be the, the, the main gripe. I suppose the most exciting part about this is there are not many industries that are changing and evolving at a rapid rate. I mean, the Industrial mm. Revolution must have been the most wonderful time to observe sure. if you weren't somebody whose job it was to, I don't know, do what a machine could do more quickly and more cheaply and you were out of a, out of a job. But 
as a reporter watching this space, mm. it's fascinating because this is a fluid, ever-moving industry as people try and, I suppose, establish the boundaries of what is commercially viable and what is ethically acceptable. Well, I think that's one of the things that makes it most exciting is that it's so nascent. And the Taylor Swift move reminds us that this is something where the rules are still being set. They aren't by any means uh, set in stone. You know, we saw similarly, she, she clashed with Spotify last year over their um, plans, the, and, their and sort and of payment. And, and Spotify is also, it's a music streaming service, Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the sort of rent rent everything in the world as opposed to owning any of it. Uh, it's that same model. And she clashed with them um, over the payment model. So the problem is like Apple, there's a free version where if you get ads every few songs, you don't have to pay. Then there's a paid version for sort of $10 a month where you can listen to anything, anytime, ad-free. And the problem is that on the free model, most of these streaming services pay a pittance compared to what they pay for streams by paid users. And that was her other gripe, was saying that this should all be treated the same. If someone plays my song, I should get paid X. I shouldn't get paid Y if that person happens not to be paying for the service. In a sense, saying Mm. that's not my problem. And these are the rules that are still being sort of worked out and the kinks that are being worked out. I mean, for music fans and music fans prepared to pay for music, Mm. how does this affect them? Well, I mean, to start with, not at all. Um, Apple, you'll still get your first, your three months free. Uh, you'll still have access to everything. I guess it affects them insofar as that access to everything. It means that Apple has a much better chance now of having uh, the vast majority of music producers and music owners on board. And uh, so for, for end users, this at least means that uh, we'll have all the choice we want, which is really the measure of these services working or not. Absolutely, because yeah, yeah, Apple wants to be the great consolidator, I guess. I mean, it's it's revolutionized the way we interact with smart devices, and there's been a lot of copying of that, and now a smart device is a smart device. They kind of all got similar swipes and clicks and that sort of stuff. Mm. They need a new trick, and that trick is if they can control content and access to content, and most of it from around the world, they've got another unique selling proposition. Well, and frankly, I find this interesting from a a sort of potential down-the-line anti-competitive stance because if Apple owns the hardware that they sell you and they own all the content that you're buying via it, it does become interesting. You know, how do you compete with something like that? I mean, Apple's obvious advantage coming into streaming at the end of the month, even though it's four or five years late to the game, is, you know, it originally changed the digital music landscape with the iTunes store, with people buying tracks. So first of all, it has that that entire catalog at available already. But also, even though it's a late comer, no other streaming service has the advantage of being pre-installed on every single iPhone that will be go out and every single iPad that will leave the factories from from now on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, given how many tens of millions of devices they sell every quarter, that's, that's a huge leg up. But as fans of music, we've also got to be careful because if you take away the incentive to the musician, to the artist, to the producers, to um, the, the the brand managers, to the managers mm. of the artists to be creative and create the entertainment that we, we, we enjoy so much. Well, then you kind of run out of options, don't you? You end up having to listen to back catalogs of, and they're lovely. But you can only listen to the Beatles and Queen that many times before you wish that somebody else was writing some new material. 
Sure. But there's, well, no, there's no incentive if nobody's getting paid for it. This is the other thing, though, that we that that I've all been, that Taylor Swift highlights is like um, Amanda Palmer, who's a comparatively very niche musician. Um, the ability to interact directly with fans has shown that if you're a band and you produce content regularly and you push it out there and you have a, even a decent mailing list, one really really committed fan over the long term will spend far more on you than you know someone listening to a stream, for example. Yeah. And I think that because the sort of means of distribution are so democratized um, you know if you have a, a website you can put your own content up and push it from there or you can put it up on services like SoundCloud and let people listen to it at least for musicians there's still the incentive to get heard even if you don't make any money off the music because you can tour and you can sell merchandise and you can do that sort of thing it's it's people creating um, creative output like books that I worry the most about because it's not like authors go on tour and sell tickets or sell T-shirts and coffee mugs uh, or in Taylor Swift's case, backpacks. And it's really those sorts of <laughs> Imagine things. Imagine Ken Follett's backpack. <laughs> it's really big for bulky books. Yes. <laughs> um, and I, I wonder about that. It's those sorts of things where there aren't any alternative revenue streams that really worry me, at least with, with music. I think musicians are resourceful and a lot of them have realized mm. they make far more on the road and from merchandise than they'll ever make from Apple Music, Spotify or anyone else. But you're only going to make the music, you're only going to make the money on the road if your brand and your music is available on those platforms to generate the hype in the first place. Absolutely. There is the other point, of course, and that is that is this all not a bit of a uh, an, this argument null and void because there's this thing called YouTube <laughs> and you can find anything. Absolutely. I mean, I've tried to not find things on YouTube. They'll never, know, <laughs> they'll never have this bit of Billy Connolly and it's there. Yeah. I mean, it's, YouTube is the most extraordinary repository of content. Does YouTube not ruin the party for everybody? Potentially. And you know who knows this secret, Bruce, that's not so secret, is the youngsters. You know, there's a great letter from a chap named Bob Lefsitz who speaks about this. He's a music industry sort of analyst. And that's exactly it. It's all available, including Taylor Swift, for free on YouTube. And there are a lot of youngsters for whom YouTube is the primary means of consumption because while for you or me, $10 a month for Apple Music or Simfy or Spotify is not a lot, if you're 13, that may be an impediment. But you may have an uncapped home internet connection, in which case you can watch all of the YouTube you like. You can use mom and dad's internet connection and, and download everything for nothing. Indeed. And there's been very little backlash on that front. You know, very few people have said, oh, well, you can't host my content on YouTube. And I guess this also comes down to that problem of is it better, to, is it better in that sort of industry to make money or to be heard, um, because they are sort of codependent. A bit but, of both. A bit of both would but, be nice. But, yeah. but you can't necessarily. You probably shoot yourself in the foot if you demand the money up front, right? Yeah. You have to get the audience, and you have to get the 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 ears and or or eyes. Um, and this is the thing: we have, YouTube is really the the great dark horse here. Fascinating, as always. Craig Wilson, great views. He is with Stuff Magazine. Uh, the five ways in which Taylor Swift is changing the way in which the music industry works. But could she have the rug pulled out from underneath her 26-year-old feet by the likes of YouTube and a generation that wants stuff for nothing, regardless of how she feels about it?